almost 15 years later and no answers. He definitely went down fighting for his life. Police have never finished the investigation. Two daughters without fathers. Two families changed forever. Never forget her saying, Dad, Daddy's dead. He's gone. A chilly November night turned deadly. The wires were cut on the outside of the house. Um, my dad was sleeping. There was blood uh, upstairs, down the stairs. I was afraid to sleep with the lights off. I was afraid to be alone. We won't give up. So if this doesn't work, we're not gonna we're not gonna go away. This is unsolved. True crime in Western New York. Welcome to Unsolved, true crime in Western New York, where we dive deep into cold cases and unsolved crime in the Western New York region. I'm Leanne Stock. And I'm Amanda Berg. Leanne and I work for WGRZ in Buffalo. I produce the late night news and Leanne is a reporter. Every week, Amanda and I are going to dissect a specific unsolved crime and speak with the people who were directly affected by them in their quest for justice. This case that we're going to talk about today rocked Dunkirk and the surrounding area when it happened. So we're going back now to November 3rd, 2006. This was a gruesome crime that really shook up the community. It was a double murder. It left three children without fathers. Again, for those of you who are not familiar with the Western New York area, it is just about an hour's drive southwest of Buffalo. And kind of going through the details of this case... During the early hours of that November day, 38-year-old Jerry Nickerson and 52-year-old Mark Troutman were fast asleep in their home that they shared on East Lake Road. In this episode, we're going to hear from the daughters of both Jerry and Mark. Leanne, you did this case as an unsolved episode on TV a few years ago before, you know, this podcast got started. This is one of the ones that we're kind of revisiting. This time around, we're not going to hear from police, correct? Yes, this time around, we're not. And um, we reached out to New York State Police. Um, a spokesman for New York State Police reached out to an investigator, Amanda, that actually responded the day of the murder um, and asked them if they would be willing to come on our podcast, talk a little bit about the crime. Um, but did decline the interview. So it's just important to share with you guys that we do make effort to try and make sure that we have a law enforcement official, we have those facts, we have that law enforcement base to this podcast, just because behind each of these crimes, we want to talk to the people who are trying to solve them. We did get to talk to both Lindsay and Amber, who were very young at the time of this murder. And now, you know, they're both adult women. They're working. One of them is a mother. We're going to hear more about that. They really remember that day like it was yesterday. And this episode, Leanne, is pretty unique in that when you first talked to them, um, they kind of told you they didn't really know each other. And now since, they've really formed a bond. Yeah, Amanda, I actually sat down with each of these daughters separately on separate days, separate times to talk about their fathers and their father's cases. Um, At no time did I ask the other if they knew the other. I just kind of assumed that they were probably familiar with each other. Um, Now looking back, I wish I would have asked because they didn't know each other. And when the story came out and each of them had realized that I had interviewed another woman who was around their age going through the exact same thing, it really brought them together. Let's talk a little bit about what we're really getting into. 
Both of these young women told us that on that night in November, their fathers were sound asleep when somebody made forced entry into the house. It's important to know that the men were roommates. One of them was living on the first floor. One of them was living on the second floor. We know that the person who broke in had a knife. We know that Jerry was stabbed first, and then later Mark was as well. The next morning, Jerry's brother found the men, and that's when state police began their investigation. But Leanne, to this day, nobody's been charged with their murders, and it was 15 years ago. Yeah, it has been a long time with no answers for those young girls, something that they live with every single day. Um, During our conversations, of course, I wanted to know what they know. Right? I wanted to know what they experienced, what they have, the memories they have with their fathers, really kind of just have a long, in-depth conversation. And, and during the conversations, they shared photos of both of their fathers with me, just so that I could kind of see what their relationship was like, what their memories they had with their father was like. And, and in one of them was a photo of Jerry. He was thin, he had brown hair, and in the photo, on his hip, there was a toddler, and she had blonde hair, and, and she was like pursing her lips at the camera and that was his daughter Amber and she had showed me that photo is one of her prized memories with her dad of course and Lindsay had also shared with me a photo that she had with her father and that one she's she's a baby she's probably eight months old and you see a smiling mark he had dark hair he wasn't looking at the camera at the time that it was taken but I think it really just speaks volumes you know they say that picture is worth a thousand words it really kind of shows what these two women have been through just kind of a glimpse into their childhood memories that they had with their father and amanda like you think about it both of these men were killed when these girls were so young right and a lot of those details are really limited growing up in a town and a city that is really a small town. You know, Dunkirk is considered a city, but it has that really friendly neighborhood, small town feel. And so they've grown up and they've heard a lot of rumors. Obviously, what we also know is limited because the case is still open, but I think we should just start at the beginning and, you know, hear from the girls. Amber, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I know that talking about what happened to your father is important to you. Um, I also know that in November, it will be 15 years since Jerry Nickerson was murdered. So first of all, I want you to tell us a little bit about your father. So my dad, he um, was a great softball player. He was very athletic. Um, He did construction on the side and he really was just a well-rounded person. I mean, he did have his own struggles with addiction, but that besides that, I think that he was a great person. I did have a lot of animals at his house. I had a lot of cats. Um, I would go there on the weekends and we would just hang out. We spent a lot of time with my family. Um, He was always trying to do better for me. Um, Unfortunately, he never got to that point, but I do believe that that was truly his end goal. Tell me a little bit more about your family. Did you have any siblings? Talk to me about when you would spend time with him and your family. So no siblings. I'm an only child. So I have always been kind of um, the center of my dad's world. I, he always called me daddy's little girl or his little peanut. So um, he, we have a pretty big family. Um, a lot of times we would spend a lot of time at my Uncle Louie and Aunt Terry's house. They had a lot of land and a lot of animals. So that's where I like to go a lot of the time when I had time with him. 
I just feel like kind of robbed of many opportunities, many things that my dad could have experienced with me. Similarly to Amber, Lindsay Troutman also wonders about the life she would have had if her father had not been killed. She's now a mother and wishes her father would have lived to see her family grow. Well, my dad was a teacher, a musician, an artist. Uh, he was a lot of different things. He was a, a great dad. Uh, I wish he would have been around to get to be a grandfather. I know he would have been great at that, too. It will be 15 years um, in November um, since your father was murdered. And I'm sure that it is tough to speak about. Um, but when you think back, talk to me about what you know about the night that your father was killed. What information did police give you about that night? So a lot of it was really vague, but kind of the longer it's been, the more details we're kind of starting to get. But uh, we know that it was absolutely premeditated. It wasn't something that somebody just decided to do in the spur of the moment. It was planned. They had came to the house prior. They cut the phone lines. Amber also feels the crime was not random. The wires were cut on the outside of the house. Um, my dad was sleeping. Uh, that is really the details that I have been given. The house, the apartment that him and Mark had lived in has been taken down. So the house no longer stands. Um, police uh, have never finished the investigation. Um, I just know that it obviously was something that was a little premeditated if the wires of the outside of the house were cut. Whoever did it planned to do it. Um, they came in the house and they found Jerry in his bed sleeping. Um, my dad was, uh, what they think is that he was in his room having a cup of coffee and a bowl of soup. Uh, he wasn't supposed to be home. He usually was working third shift. So I, I assume that they didn't expect to find him there. I think they thought that they would go in and they would find Jerry and that they'd be able to just do what they wanted to do and get in and out. Jerry was stabbed multiple times. So it was definitely something that seemed to be personal to be able to do that to another human being. There may have been a chance that the suspect didn't realize Mark was ever home. If it weren't for what Lindsay says could have been Mark's fatal mistake. Whoever did it probably left and that my dad got up and turned the light on once they thought that he was gone. And they think that the people or person must have come back and kind of finished the job off. I don't know for sure if my dad heard what was going on and woke up or if he was already awake, but there was definitely um, some sort of scuffle because there was blood uh, upstairs, down the stairs, and they eventually found my dad downstairs in the living room with the phone in his hands. Uh, so he did try to contact the police with no luck. There was apparently DNA found underneath my dad's fingernails. Um, he didn't, it wasn't like a quick, simple thing. Uh, he definitely went down fighting for his life. Um, but the DNA, uh, there was no results. I don't know if it was inconclusive or if um, somehow the, the evidence was like 
tampered with or, or, or damaged, but for some reason, even with the DNA, they were never to get any results or positive matches. What do you know about the, the person who committed the crime? Not much. So I think that we all have our, um, our own opinions, our own hearts set on um, who we think it is. Uh, when After the news airing last year, it did bring a little talk in the community, but not much of what we had hoped, just different hearsay stories from people. So really, no, everyone has different opinions and ideas of who they believe did it, of course. Um, I, in my heart, feel that I know who did it. I would just if that's not the person, I would God, I would feel terrible for that. I would just hope that someday we could have the right answer. Those rumors are something Lindsay also knows all too well. She says there's also a lot of speculation about the suspect's motive. So a lot of people um, say that the motive was um, something about drugs or drug money being owed. Um, both of our fathers were... Um, either in AA or NA in recovery. Um, both of them were doing really well though, for as far as we know. Um, but I mean, that that's definitely a possibility. Um, there's other talk about how there was a, a videotape that people were looking for. Um, there's definitely a, a few different ideas that people have had, but also along with that comes people who say that um, that my dad killed Jerry and then he shot himself and there was never any gun involved. So it's hard to tell what is just from the rumor mill or what could actually be a actual motive. And I don't think that we can ever really truly know 100% what the motive is unless we find out who did it. It absolutely could have been drug related. I won't even sugarcoat. Like I am fully aware of the lifestyle that my dad led. And I know that there were people who obviously when you're in that realm of the world, you have enemies. So I'm not naive to the fact of that. And I'm not naive to the fact that there really could have been some bad blood. I just don't believe that anybody deserves to be murdered. Now, after our story aired last year, Amber said someone had came forward with information, but was left disappointed when that person would not take that information to police. There was somebody who came forward with some information, but never reported it to the police that I had uh, begged the individual to plead with them to report the information to the police. Uh, they never had, and so we're kind of just really left where we were. Both girls were young when this happened, just 12 and 14 years old, and were in school when they found out. So I was 12 years old. Um, I actually found out the next, well, that day, um, I had gone to school that morning um, around, I want to say, 10 o'clock. The principal had came into my science classroom and just told me that he needed to talk to me. Just had a normal conversation with me. We walked down to the superintendent's office. Um, my mom's fiance's mom worked at the school in the superintendent's office. So it was kind of a little weird. I walked in, um, it was the school social worker who is now my coworker and um, my grandma, my mom the superintendent, the principal, and um, they sat me down and had said that 
my dad had passed away and he was murdered the night prior. Um, I kind of really was in a state of shock. I was really young and couldn't really uh, digest that information. I just really wanted to uh, continue with my day. I was 14. So I was, um, I, I want to say I was a freshman in high school when it happened. And I do have a little brother and he is two years younger than me. So he was only 12 when this happened. I was in a social studies class and I got called down to the office and I was in high school, but my brother was in middle school. And when I got there, they had told me that my brother was coming um, to meet me and I had to walk to the office to pick him up. So I had walked and I had went to meet my brother and we were kind of just walking through the halls. They said, our mom is gonna come get us. And both of us were just kind of speculating, well, what, well, what do you think happened? So uh, first we were, my brother was like, well, maybe something happened to the dog. And I was, I knew like my mom was really uh, avid about us being in school and that she wouldn't have called us out of school for something happening to the dog. So I was concerned that um, maybe something had happened to one of our grandparents, but thinking that it could have been our father was the last thing that ever crossed my mind. Uh, we got into the car and my mom was in tears. We asked her what happened and she just said, I'll never forget her saying, dad, daddy's dead. He's gone. And we asked her, your dad or ours? And she said yours and just broke down. I'm still shocked to this day. Um, Anyone who knew my dad could tell you he was one of the kindest people you would ever meet. They've both made it their mission to seek the truth and find out what happened that night their fathers were murdered. Since my dad was murdered and I matured, I would say a couple years into it, it's been my ultimate goal to have justice someday that and to buy my dad a headstone. So between justice and buying my dad a headstone those are two of my big goals in life and I don't really know how I can make sure that this gets solved but I know that I will do everything in my power to make sure that it does someday. I grew up terrified um I mean for years and years I mean I had no idea why someone could have done this or or what could cause somebody to do this and I didn't know if they were going to come after me or, or my family. Um, I was afraid to sleep with the lights off. I was afraid to be alone. Uh, and I still, to this day, I mean, I, I live in a house with, with a child and I'm home alone with my son a lot. And I'm, I'm terrified that, you know, the same thing could happen. Just, you can't ever really think of a good reason why somebody could do anything like that. So for me, having to grow up knowing that there are people like that out there. I mean, I spent a lot of time afraid. To not sugarcoat on my childhood was not easy. Um, there were times where I would be places and there were, would be said um, suspects and I would have um, anxiety attacks. I had a lot of anxiety growing up, many doctor's appointments, many counseling appointments. I've been in therapy my whole life to deal with it. Um, I do have a, I do deal with things well now due to the tools that I've been given, but as a child, it was really, it really, I was robbed of a lot of um, easygoing times in my life, I think. Unlike other unsolved cases, this murder hurt two families. 
Both Amber and Lindsay tell us they wish they'd known that all along there was another girl close in age dealing with the same grief. Lindsay and I didn't know each other growing up, um, but now that we're older and we've connected, we do really, it's, it's something that only her and I and her brother like really understand is the way we feel and the, our need for justice. So it's it's really good to be able to talk to her now because I didn't have her back in the day, which maybe could have helped things if we had each other. But now that we're adults and we communicate, it definitely does make a difference. And we absolutely both have the same goal at the end is to find out who did it. And it's, it's really nice to know that there's somebody else that has gone through what I've gone through and, and knows what I feel because that it's just, it's so different from a lot of, ways that people lose people it's it's not common by any means at all um so it is nice to have somebody who understands what i've been through um i wish it happened when we were older because at that age you just you feel so helpless like you can't do anything and now that we're older we are able to you know speak our voices and and tell our truth and hopefully somebody out there can hear what we have to say and maybe know something or someone that can help point us in the right direction. Well, I just would like to uh, change people's opinion or clear the air that, I mean, people have opinions of my dad that aren't the greatest opinions, but I think that we've all had our own struggles and we've all faced demons. And I think that Without those demons, my dad was a great person. He was an avid Bills fan. That's why I'm a huge Bills fan. Um, he really would give the shirt off his back for anyone. And he's he was robbed and his family was robbed of many memories. And it really, truly, to have the truth be told would help so many people sleep at night. It doesn't mean that it's going to bring our dads back. It doesn't mean that it's going to take away the pain, but to have somebody off the street that's capable of murdering two people, I think would be huge. And I think to speak up, no matter how scared you are of what could happen, I think that um, it speaks more for a person who's willing to do the right thing, especially 15 years later, we're still searching for answers. So anything helps truly. I wish that there was more that we could do. Um... Now at this point, I think that just kind of getting getting our story out and talking to people, um, I think that with the time that's passed, maybe there are people who know something that maybe might not be so afraid to speak up and can help us out with this. Um, I, I obviously don't wish this on anyone in the world, but I'm, I'm glad that I know that I'm, I'm not in this alone. Um, I have, you know, my family of support and Amber and her family as well. And I know, you know, it's not a great situation, but we are all in this together. And with the amount of people that we have uh, and the resources that we have, I'm, I'm hoping now that, like I said, we're older now, maybe there's more that we can do. Just come forward, you know, there's, there's families that need the closure. Uh, it's been, it's been 15 years and there are crimes that have 
gone with more time in between that that end up getting solved. So it's it's not too late for for our dads and our families to get the justice they deserve. And anything helps. Anything we won't give up. So if this doesn't work, we're not gonna we're not gonna go away. So I'm hoping that we can encourage and we're not we're not gonna be mad at anybody that comes forward with details. Like we just want the honest truth. You think you know something, if you think you've heard something, it matters. Even if you don't think it does, it does. Anything can help. And if you have any information about this case, you're asked to contact New York State Police. For more information on this case, or to watch all of Leanne's unsolved television reports, you can visit WGRZ.com or download the free WGRZ app in the Apple Store or Google Play. Like this episode, we plan to continue to update and expand on the cases we've covered in the past and bring you new stories every week of Western New Yorkers searching for justice. In the meantime, feel free to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Leanne Stuck. You can find me at Amanda underscore Berg 16. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week for another episode of Unsolved True Crime in Western New York.